Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 14 of the Goal Line Podcast. So today I am joined by assistant coach at Montclair State University, Max Wurzberger. So uh, background on Max and I, as I do with every guest, is uh, we met through mutual friends uh, in New Jersey and then pretty much stayed in touch. We met a couple summers ago and then, you know, found out he was coaching and, you know, we hit it off because that's what good people do. So being that we're both good people, we hit it off, made a relationship and, you know, here we are today, Max. So welcome. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So Max, I first want to start with you uh, about your playing career at Montclair. So being that, being in the conference, the NJAC, and just playing at Montclair, what was the atmosphere like? I mean, you were part of a Final Four team. So, you know, what, take us through the atmosphere of a very strong Division Three program day in and day out and what it takes from a player's perspective to succeed at that level. I mean, we're, we're talking to a first-team all-conference NJAC player, which is a great accomplishment. So, you know, what did you do day in, day out on a daily basis to, to keep yourself playing at a high level? Yeah, well, the first team all conference thing, uh, I can't say that it was all me. I had some pretty, pretty awesome teammates, um, you know, that helped me get to that point. So, uh, but, you know, my four years at Montclair State were awesome. Um, you know, I wouldn't have changed a thing. I don't think I would have went to another school, um, even if I had the choice to. Uh, the coaching staff, when I was getting recruited, um, was awesome to me. Um, you know, they they welcomed me with open arms. Um, you know, they were really, really, really um, accurate with everything that they said. They promised me a lot of things that would happen over my four years and everything that they said was pretty much the truth. Um, so I really, really, really am appreciative of the coaching staff that I was, um, you know, under um, at my time as a player at Montclair. Um, but yeah, the, the the four years in terms of, of the team and, uh, and the aspect of it, it was, uh, it was awesome. You know, freshman year going to a final four was a great experience. Um, the next two years after that, going to back-to-back elite eights, my sophomore and junior year, um, and then senior year, we ended up winning the conference <coughs> um, and only uh, only getting to the first round of the NCAA tournament. So four years there, uh, four NCAA tournament appearances, um, one conference championship, um, and a lifetime of memories um, that I shared with a bunch of my buddies that I still talk to every day. Um, so to answer your question, uh, <clears throat> the higher echelon of D3 soccer um, is a little bit like Division One in terms of, um, you know, the style of play and uh, the type of player that is, is played at that level. <clears throat> um, we do we do probably have less time um, that we can be with uh, the student athletes um, just because of NCAA regulations and rules and stuff like that. Uh, but it's a pretty much a Division One, um, you know, program that we have at Montclair, as well as it's usually the top, the top fifteen to twenty-five programs, um, you know, that are always in the top twenty-five. They treat it like a Division One program. Um, you know, the funding is almost just as good, if not, it's probably it's not as good, but um, you know, it, it does its job. So Montclair State's a great program, um, <clears throat> so, as well as some of the other schools like in the NESCAC, um, in the UAA, uh, in the Centennial Conference. Um, so I had a really good time over my four years. Um, I'm still coaching there, uh, just because I love it so much and, uh, I love being around the guys and, and the, and the athletic department at Montclair. So it, it was, uh, it was definitely a good, a good time as a player. Um, and now it's, it's getting even better, um, on the coaching side of things. Absolutely. So 
I want to talk about our, the final four. I mean, you had Elite Eight, Final Four run. What was it about those teams that made you guys so successful, to, especially the Final Four team? You know, you know what, was it the leaders or like was it the coaching? What was it? I think I think it's exactly what it was. <clears throat> so my freshman year, um, I was one of like thirteen or fourteen in the class, um, and we had a predominantly big senior class. So there was like fourteen freshmen. There was a sprinkle of sophomores and juniors. Um, and then it was like kind of a big senior class. So um, I didn't really know what to expect going into that year um, just because I was a freshman. I didn't even know if I was going to play. I didn't even know, um, you know, who, who was going to be starting like in preseason. I wasn't too sure. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that um, the reason why that team succeeded uh, so well was um, the senior leadership. I mean, we had guys like Kevin Brown. We had guys like Sean Pauls. I'm not sure if you know these guys or if anybody that's listening to this podcast knows these guys. But uh they were excellent leaders. I mean, they that they welcomed the freshman class with open arms and everything that we did. Um, they weren't that that typical, not the typical, but that uh, stereotypical senior class that doesn't like freshmen and you know all that stuff. Um, so it's a real testament to those guys, as well as uh, I would say the coaching. Um, that was Coach Tumulty, who's the head coach currently. That was his first year, um, and he had a great staff as well. So I mean, the coaching. Uh, the senior leadership, um, and obviously a little bit of luck in the NSA tournament. It, uh, it, it, it all goes a long way. Um, but that team was, um, you know, really put together strongly. Um, and I think the, the glue that kept it all together uh, was the senior leadership for sure. Absolutely. And so what do you think the, the difference was from that Final Four team to, did you guys win the NJAC that year or no? Uh, no, we actually didn't win it. We didn't win it in 11, 12, and 13. It was a, a three-peat. By just your senior year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, oh, that was the year Rutgers Camden lost to Messiah in the championship, 2013, yeah, right? That was 2013. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, you know, what, what, so what do you think it was about the team in your senior year that won the NJAC, you know, and why didn't you guys, why do you think you guys didn't succeed in the NCAA tournament? Just kind of unlucky, you know, just the way it is? Or do you think there was a different feel from that, from your freshman year to your senior year? Um, you know, it, it's funny because we, we argue a lot as alumni uh, between the different classes and, and uh, who's, who had the better teams based on record, based on players, based on uh, playing style and stuff like that. But, um, you know, soccer is a funny game um, as well as the college season is a funny game. A lot can happen in a span of three months. Um, so I think, my senior year, we had a good group of seniors. We had about like five or six or, or maybe even seven, um, you know, and we also had a really good uh, uh, junior class as well. Uh, but I think the biggest difference between my senior year, um, you know, and then my, my freshman year, uh, you know, I, I, I would have to say it was, um, I think we just wanted the conference really badly. I don't think we looked big picture. I think my, my senior year, um, it was a time where we went to the final of the conference tournament my freshman year in 2011. Sophomore year, we lost in the semifinal. Junior year, we lost in the semifinal. So I think senior year, um, the group of seniors really wanted to win that title back, uh, especially because our coaches, um, they were part of the 06 to 09 seasons, and they won four straight. So they were giving us a little uh, banter here and there about winning the conference and how we, we never win the conference. And, you know, if you want to be an excellent team in, in the program history, then you got to win the conference. So I think we had 
uh, a little chip on our shoulders senior year. Um, and I think we had to prove a point to everybody in the conference that we had to go and win it. Um, and then we got a little unlucky in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We had some injuries here and there, but, you know, that happens. But I think the biggest thing was, um, you know, we had our mindset on winning the conference that year. We had to win that trophy. Uh, it was do or die or, you know, the four years that we were there as a class. It, it was it was special, but, you know, you need that 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 hardware to really implement yourself into into the program's history. So that was the biggest difference. Absolutely. Yeah, I hear you. So would you so when you're a senior and the season's over, did you always know you wanted to get into coaching, you know, whether you were playing there or during your senior year, when was that decision to turn into coaching cuz you stepped into an assistant role right after you graduated. Is that correct? Right, right, right. So 2013 I was a junior. Um one of the assistant coaches, Tyler Stackowitz, who is now uh, the goalie coach at Rutgers, um, New Brunswick in the Big Ten. He asked, he was an assistant coach at Montclair at the time, and he um, asked me to kind of help him out with a local town team. Um, we had two teams based out of Wyckoff, New Jersey. They're called the Wyckoff Torpedoes. Um, and I was just kind of helping him here and there. And um, I think that's when I really started to fall in love with it. I, I have a great relationship with Tyler Stackowitz. I mean, he kind of got me into coaching. Um, you know, and I loved everything from the get-go about the interactions with the players, um, being able to run sessions on your own, um, seeing them develop and, you know, get bigger and stronger and better and seeing where their lives take them. Um, so to answer your question, I, I, I wasn't sure that I was going to get into coaching. I, had, I actually, it wasn't even a thought in my mind when I was playing in college until I got to like my junior year. I always thought I wanted to like teach or maybe get into business, mm-hmm. um, you know, but the coaching thing just kind of it just kind of hit me out of nowhere and I'm, I'm really glad it did. So junior year, senior year, I was, I was helping out uh, locally with coach Stackowitz. Um, and then, yeah, after my senior year, um, the coaches, um, you know, they thought, I, I guess I had a knack for it and they needed some help. And um, they asked me to join the staff right after I got done playing. So I, I've been at Montclair ever since 2015, 2016 um, after I got done playing. And then, you know, that one season in 2017, I was, at Mount St. Vincent and then 2018, 2019, I'm still here at Montclair. So, so how was that transition from player to coach in your first year? Cause I, I know for me, when I transitioned, you know, I just wanted to get back out and play and play and play the whole time. And, you know, we ended up winning our conference my first year. So I was like, this is great, but you know, I wish I was playing. So, you know, what was that transition like for you going from player to coach in such a short time? you and me were the same exact person. Like all I wanted to do <laughs> was go to practice and just play and just keep playing and, you know, be in every drill, every session, every game. I, always, I was always asking the coach, can I just hop in? Can I hop in? Um, <laughs> so it was, it, it was, it was good um, because I was still, I was still around the game. I was around a couple of my teammates. I was happy. I was fresh out of college. I really didn't know where I was going. Um, but it was an interesting transition because I didn't know how good I was going to be at it. I don't. I don't even know if I'm good at it now. Uh, I just know that it was real. You're, I, you're doing something right because you're still you're I'm, still I'm involved. Doing okay, I'm still doing okay. Uh, but uh, you know, it was an interesting transition. I didn't know if I was going to be good at it. Uh, I was nervous at times to speak in front of large crowds. Um, I didn't know how my ex teammates would think of me as a coach. Um, so it was. Uh, it was interesting, but I'm glad I did it because, you know, you push through a couple of those first years um, not knowing how you're going to uh, be in something. It turns out to be a blessing in disguise. You know, you uh, you get thrown into the fire quickly um, and you realize if you're good at it or not. So that's kind of that's kind of what happened. 
Um, and right. the thing is just, I enjoy it. I, I love it so much. It's, it's a, it's a passion of mine. So being good at it is not what's important. It's just the fact that I love it. And you know, it's something, it's like, it's my job. It's crazy to think that it's actually like my job that I get to be around athletes, uh, coach them. Uh, and that's like, it's the only thing that I do. So I'm right. I'm truly blessed. I'm, that- I'm honored. I'm, I'm happy to, I'm, I'm, I love being at Montclair state. I love being at Matchfit Academy. It's, uh, it's been a, it's been a great, I, I still can't believe this is going to be my sixth college soccer season. Um, That's wild. It's time's just flying. It, it, it's crazy. I was, you know, I was, I was thinking about that too the other day. I was like, wow, I'm really going to enter in my fifth year as a coach. Like, that's kind of nuts. But um, so, so what I want to, yeah, it's crazy, right? So in in that first year from transitioning from player to coach, did you know, obviously the freshmen are going to see you, the incoming freshmen are going to see you as the coach because they don't really know anything about you. But you know, for me, I remember like my first year, probably my second year, like. Other than working with the goalies, I, I did, you know, I don't think I really did that much coaching because I knew that a lot of the guys still playing kind of just still saw me as a friend. And because, you know, I played with them for one or two years, you know, they saw a different side of me than the coach. So it's like for me, or at least for you, how did you balance like coaching and being and being that friend? Right. I think the key word there is balance. You know, it's like, um, do you coach the guys that you play with? Do you just kind of give them pointers? Do you not say anything at all? I think that all comes down to the type of relationship that you had with that uh, that teammate. You know, from when you're transitioning from a player to a coach, you know, it it kind of gives you more reign to speak, right? Because now you're kind of in charge a little bit. Um, so I just think it all depends on the relationship that you have with that person. I mean, for me, I didn't really coach the guys. Um, that I was playing with, I just kind of let them do the thing. I, I gave them some pointers some things that I saw, um, you know, some things that they make that maybe they didn't see while they were playing. Um, but I mainly just coach the new guys. Um, you know, that, that's kind of how that works. It's like, um, you don't want to step on people's toes because of all the success they they've been having. Um, and you, you know, you don't know if they're going to react to you in the same way as you would, uh, you know, coach a freshman. So it, it was, it's just a balance. I think that's a good word. You, you got to find a balance. You got to find, um, you know, a way to get through to guys. Um, maybe even if they don't want to hear it at times, uh, but you just right. always want to keep the program in mind and do what's best for the program. You don't really think about, um, you know, you're a coach now. So now you got to coach these guys. You just, you do what the head coach says, you do what, um, you know, you kind of just go with it. I mean, it's like, it's tough. It's tough. But I think, I think the key word that you use is, is balance. It's finding a, a unique balance that you can balance both your relationship, your coaching styles, and also keeping that friendship that you've established over the, you know, the four years that you've had at Montclair. So balance is a good Yeah, but Yeah. And, and I think you bring up a good point about just like the, the guys you played with, just kind of providing them tips. Like I, I remember for me, you know, like I've mentioned before, the first year I wasn't even worried about the seniors, you know, I'll let our other two coaches handle them in the coaching things. And like, it was more for the younger guys where, you know, just being a goalkeeper, I was able to see things differently too. So giving them, giving the back line too, cause I played with most of them, you know, being able to give them perspective. I know they listened to me and respected me just because I was behind them for most of the time. So, you know, just finding the, the little tips I think is better in that transition period over that, you know, rather than trying to coach them and, and be more assertive. So, you know, I, I respect how you kind of figured that out. But so you finish up a few years, your first couple of years at coaching at Montclair, and then you decide to take a head coaching job at another D3 school, Mount St. Vincent. And, you know, what was the decision to leave Montclair and take on your new program? 
Yeah, that was uh, that was a really interesting time because that was like right in the midst of what that was actually when we met when you that, were when you just accepted the job. That's when we met. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. A, that's exactly when we met. I think it was that summer of uh, twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so that was an interesting point uh, in my life because I, I I was I was coaching right, so I was doing some stuff with torpedoes. I was uh, you know I was like the third or the third assistant like volunteerish um, at Montclair State for the first two years. Um, so I, I, the funding part of things wasn't great. <laughs> so I wasn't, uh, cause obviously I was out of college. I had student loans. I had some other stuff. I was kind of living on my own. <clears throat> so I was trying to figure out a balance between, um, work and also soccer. Um, <clears throat> so I actually accepted a job, uh, working at Moe's, which is kind of like a Chipotle, but I was doing some stuff. Yep, yep. The, um, I was doing some stuff on the corporate side, like in the marketing aspect of things and, and catering. Um, so I was doing that as well as coaching at Montclair, um, but I hated it. I didn't want to be sitting. Right. Behind, didn't want to be sitting behind a desk. I didn't want to, you know, have to wear, you know, a, a button-down shirt and pants and you know to work and dread. Like I just, it wasn't me. It just wasn't who I was. Every time that I showed up to a training session during those years, um, it was like a relief. It was, it was fun. Right. It was exciting. It was getting away from real work and real life. Um, and I just, I wanted to do that like full time. So I found on, um, I think it was either on LinkedIn or it was on one of those um, recruiting websites that there was an opening at Mount St. Vincent. So I just said, you know what, screw it. I'll apply, see what happens. I know I'm young, but uh, you know maybe they'll have a need for me. So I applied. I heard back from the AD like a week later, um, had a phone interview. Um, we talked for about 20 to 30 minutes. Um, he, and I guess he, heard, he, he liked what he heard on the phone call. They brought me in for an in-person interview. Um, and then they hired me like three days later. Um, so at the age of 24, I was the head coach at, uh, Mount St. Vincent, which is in the skyline conference division three. Um, and that was a really, really unique experience because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, you know, being, being a head coach isn't easy, no matter what level, no matter what program you're at, um, you're pretty much in charge of everything. So whatever decision you make on that day or, you know, in the, in the coming of weeks affects the program, um, you know, as a whole. And that's where I think I really learned how to coach, just kind of being the head coach of that program, uh, having my own pro- program, knowing the ins and outs, knowing, you know, what you have to do on certain days. Um, and I also had a great assistant coach that year as well. And Mike Chernick, who was also an ex-player at Montclair, uh, who's coaching down in Florida now um, with Weston FC. So it was a really unique experience uh, being, you know, kind of on my own, being the head coach, um, you know, having to make decisions for myself, obviously having Mike Chernick as, uh, as some help uh, being assistant. But um, yeah, it was a unique experience coaching at Mount St. Vincent. That's for sure. So what were your kind of, what were your biggest takeaways in your, for in your one year as a, as a head coach? Um, knowing that recruiting is super important. Uh, it really, really is important when it comes down to college soccer. Um, recruiting is super important. Getting out, making sure you're getting uh, your school noticed because not many people heard of Mount St. Vincent. So I had right. to go. I had to go to a bunch of different showcases in different states um, and really get the name out there. I was trying to do a lot on social media as well because uh, it was a program. You know that it, it still is a program that um, it needs a lot of work. It needs a lot of help. Um, it's not mm. your typical run of the mill. Uh, high division three program or even mid division three program. It's a, uh, it's a program that needs, um, 
I should say this nicely because I don't know who's, who's <laughs> this, but it's a program that needs, it just needs a lot of work. It needs a lot of work. And right. so I think the biggest things that I, I took away from that were recruiting. Um, and then obviously uh, uh, the practice sessions, you know, like I'm the one running the practice session. Now I'm the one who's, you know, kind of having that big voice. Uh, you got to make sure that you say the right things. You run the right sessions, um, especially with a new group of players that you don't, you don't really know and they don't really know you either. So I think that was kind of the biggest thing is running the training sessions on your own, um, learning the ins and outs of recruiting uh, and as well as, uh, you know, dealing with uh, people, you know, inside the athletic department. Like that's something I've never really had to do either. Like the administrators, um, the associate mm -hmm. EDs, uh, the, the athletic director, you know, having, having meetings like that and, and budgeting and, and all that. It's just, it, it's, it, it was a little overwhelming, um, and it, it's it's something I wish I, I wish I could have continued, uh, but um, you know everything happens for a reason, and there's other things that came into play too. So that's kind of why uh, I left. But recruiting, budgeting, um, and having to run your own training sessions, I think, are the three biggest things. Um, you know, when, when you start to get into you, when you get your first head coaching job and you have your own program. So when you when you walk in day one and you're meeting all the guys. What was that first team meeting like? What were you saying to them? And, you know, how were you trying to get them to believe in you? And, and looking at you as a young first-time head coach, you know, what were some of the things you were telling them to to get them to try to believe and buy into your philosophies and your and your system? I was – so for me, <laughs> that first meeting, uh, I'll never forget it, actually. I was uh, I was super nervous. I mean, I was um, I was with my assistant coach, Mike Chernick, and, uh, you know, it, it's – you're thinking a week in advance of all the right things to say. As soon as you meet the guys, what their reaction is going to be, where you're going to hold the meeting, what you're going to say in the meeting, how they're going to respond to things. Uh, I don't think I slept. Wait, so, week. so, so did, did you have a chance to reach out to any of them before or meet any of them before this meeting or was well, it kind of just all? I did. I met a couple of the guys. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, but no, I no, met, no. I, was, I, was I met a couple of the guys. I think I met like two or three of them um, before we even had the meeting. And I think there was a total of like 13 guys in the meeting or maybe like 13 to 15 guys in the meeting. We didn't even have our full team then um, sure. because it was a little early in preseason. There was guys still getting the campus. We were trying to recruit some other kids on campus. Um, I was trying to bring in a couple more recruits. So I think we had a total of like 15 guys. Uh, it was a really, really small group. Um, but yeah, I did meet a couple of the guys beforehand, but it was probably like two or three. It was, it was some of the returners. Uh, so that was a really interesting time. Um, I just remember sweating heavily before the meeting. Um, I, I was going over my last minute notes. Um, I, I remember going over this huge packet about, you know, team goals and expectations, um, and how they're supposed to carry themselves on campus and how we're going to turn around this program. Um, you know, and how this is going to be, uh, you know, just a complete, a complete beat for the next years to come. Um, and I just remember going through the entire speech um, and getting through with everything and the guys being really excited for the season to start. Uh, and I'm just sitting there and I'm at, like after the meeting and I'm talking with my assistant coach and I'm like, how, how are we going to fund a team? We have like 15 guys and two of them are keepers. So we have like 13 field players uh, to last the whole season. And, we're, and I'm an idiot, by the way, for scheduling like – I think I scheduled Tufts on, on, on our schedule and Williams um, and some other big time uh, D3 Yikes. programs. Yikes. And we're going into the season with 13 field players. 
So that was kind of that was kind of the thought process at the end of the meeting. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get more players? It's you know we, we're like a week away from preseason, so um, it was interesting. It was definitely an interesting time. So did you choose a captain? Like, how did you choose your captain? Or was it the, just whoever was the captain last season was you know automatically just named captain this year? You know, how did you go about creating some internal leadership on that team? Good question. Great question, actually. Um, we had two guys. We had three guys that were captains that year: um, Andrew Gomez, uh, Joseph Lamuka, and who was the other one? I think his name was uh, Timothy Guido. <laughs> uh, so we had three guys. Um, they both played the year before. Um, I wasn't sure if they were captains or not, uh, but I just told the guys uh, real simple: if you want to be a captain, just show me. You know, that's kind of all that you have to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, going into preseason, I didn't name anybody captains. Um, we probably went through about a week or two of preseason. We got to our first game and I don't think I had a captain, uh, yet. I think I just had Timothy who was our right back at the time, who was a senior. I think I just had him, um, you know, kind of leading things. I kind of wanted to see a little bit more out of him, and, you know, like be aggressive and you know, hold guys accountable to things. But, uh, I don't think we named captains until like our second game of the season. I think those three guys that I named, um, they kind of showed me what it meant to be a leader. We had one guy, Andrew Gomez, who was probably the best player on the team. Um, so obviously everybody, um, you know, kind of had all eyes on him. So if he did something well, everybody else would see it. Um, as well as if he did something poorly, everybody would see it. But I just think the best player sometimes um, has a little bit of pull. I think Joseph Lumuka um, was our center back at the time. Um, so he saw a lot of things and he was a good vocal communicator. Uh, which I really liked and everybody liked him. And then Timothy was kind of like a program guy who was there for all four years. He was, fr- I think he was from right around the corner, somewhere near Riverdale. Um, <clears throat> and he lived for the program. He he was always asking me, what can we do to make things better? Um, can we do this? Can we do that? Um, he was, you know, just kind of, he was another vocal guy. So I think I had a guy who was a good soccer player, was probably the best soccer player on the team. And then I had two, two guys that were excellent players uh, and really vocal leaders that played in the back line. Um, so that was kind of my three captains during that time period, I believe. So what was your biggest, I guess, high, if you will, during that year? And what was the, the, the biggest low? Biggest high during that year. Um, well, that, that program – um, I think has only been to a conference semifinal once in their program history. So we, we qualified as the three seed that year to get into the skyline tournament. Um, and we drew purchase college in the first round. I think they were the six seed. We were the three seed. Uh, so we had a home game um, in the skyline, in the, in the skyline tournament. Uh, I think that was kind of the highlight of the year. I mean, we, yeah. we drew them zero, zero in regulation. Uh, and then, um, we had two overtime periods where both teams didn't score and we took them to penalties. Um, and we ended up advancing on penalties that year um, to the semifinal of the, co- of the conference tournament. So that was the second time in program history that we've ever been to um, a, uh, a semifinal. So that was really, really awesome for the guys because I don't think they've ever been that far in the conference tournament. Um, and I think the lowest part of the year was probably the semifinal. So it was the next game. I mean, um, you know, you, you have, you have preseason, you have all these games, you recruit all these players, you go through all this work throughout a whole year, and it comes down to you know a semifinal at St. Joe's Long Island on the road. Uh, and the game and the atmosphere, um, you know, it just it just ramps up to a whole nother level. 
Um, we ended up getting our butts kicked that night. Uh, lost four <laughs> one. Um, a lot of coaching, a coaching, uh, a lot of coaching mistakes and errors by myself. Uh, I remember making a couple adjustments and uh, doing some things that were a little unorthodox. Now looking back at it, um, and it kind of it kind of put our team in jeopardy a little bit. So we ended up losing four one in the conference semifinal. Um, that was probably the lowest part of the year because all that work that we did throughout that whole year um, and all the energy and all the, the hype that we were building at the at, at the college and getting everybody on board. And then it, just to see it like diminish uh, in the span of 90 minutes, um, you know, it kind of hurt. So uh, that was definitely the lowest part of the season. The highest part was the first game of the conference tournament. And then the lowest part was the next game <laughs> in the semifinals. So, uh, yeah. yeah, especially especially after a penalty shootout victory. That's why. Yeah. yeah, especially after the penalty shootout. Everybody was hyped up and, you know, ready to go for the semifinal. Um, so. Right. Yeah. I mean, so. After after the season, when you look back and obviously and, you know, now you're back at Montclair as an assistant and, you know, you left Mount St. Vincent. Do you feel now that you're ready to take on a head coaching gig should one open up that you're into? Like, it seems like to me and if, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry that like, you know, this was a good opportunity for you, but you kind of just, you know, jumped into it to see what it was like. And then you're like, uh, and it was a lot of adjusting on the fly. But now, you know how much more ready do you feel to, to be a head coach? Yeah. Um, so some people might look at it as kind of like a lateral move going from a head coach division three to a assistant D three, or maybe even a decline move. Um, mm-hmm. But <clears throat> the thing was, the, I wish I could have stayed at Mount St. Vincent. Um, I was a head coach. I was, I was enjoying it. I had a good first year. Um, you know, as everybody knows um, budgeting and uh, taking care of your life is a little bit more important sometimes than soccer. Uh, so I, I couldn't stay at Mount St. Vincent as much as I wanted to. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't full time there, unfortunately. Um, and the pay that I was getting, um, I couldn't make it work. So mm. uh, I had to go back to a place where um, I could have been paid a little bit more. I know this sounds, this, this doesn't sound, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it sounds a little fishy, but it, it's the truth. I mean, I couldn't stay at Mount St. Vincent, even if I wanted to, I mean, the toll alone going from Jersey to New York was probably a quarter of my paycheck. Um, so I just, I couldn't make it work, unfortunately. Um, but I had to go back to Montclair, uh, because the head coach offered me a little bit more of a responsibility than I had, uh, the previous thing at Montclair. Uh, and it's my home. It's like, it's, it's, it's where I played. It's, it's the place that I love. It's, it's a great program. Um, but to answer your question, I believe I am, I am ready um, you know, to take on a head coaching job. Uh, I'm confident in my abilities and, uh, and my resources and my networking and my, and my ability to recruit. I think I could do it. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know what's next. I, I'm, I really enjoy being at Montclair. Um, hopefully we have a season this fall and, you know, we can play cause I think we're going to be pretty good this year again. Um, but yeah, I mean, the end goal for me is to be a head coach somewhere, no matter what the level is, if it's D3, if it's Chuko, NAIA, D2, D1, um, I would love to be a head coach somewhere. Um, I just, I'm waiting for the right opportunity. Uh, and I, I'm, right. I'm, sure, I'm sure Coach Tumulty knows that. He knows that I want to be a head coach one day. I'm sure every every coach wants to own their own program one day. And um, that's the goal. Uh, but for now, I'm super happy being at Montclair. Um, I don't plan on leaving uh, anytime soon. Um, and uh you know, we'll see what happens in the near future. So where have you seen yourself grow the most from 
your first year at Montclair to now entering year six, um, just from the coaching side of things, where, where do you feel like you've, that you've grown the most as a person and a coach? Um, good question. I think, um, the mo the, the, well, I've had, I, I've had a lot more responsibility, um, over the past couple of years than I did in my first couple of years at Montclair. So I think being able to take all that responsibility, um, and implementing it into the program, I think is something that's, uh, that's been a different, uh, twist for me. I think, you know, being able to watch film, break it down, uh, show it to our guys, um, is something that's really important. That's something that I've kind of taken up, um, as one of my roles. So that's something that I, I, I've, uh, I've kind of learned and, you know, I've had people help me out with and it's kind of the video analysis part of things, um, as well as recruiting. I'm, I'm, I'm broadening my recruiting, um, networking abilities. I'm going to see different teams. I'm recognizing different talents. I'm going out to different States now, um, not just the state of New Jersey. Um, and I think, um, the ability to talk in front of a big crowd and, uh, trying to get my point across to my players is something that I've, uh, I've kind of improved, I think, um, a little bit better than the first couple of years. Uh, cause the first couple of years for me was just, you know, watch local high school games um, come be a part of training. Don't really say much, give pointers here and there. But now I'm like, I'm the recruiting coordinator. I got to make decisions. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm running training sessions. I'm helping out with budgets and stuff. Um, you know, uh, in-game tactics, all that stuff. It's just, it's elevated a little bit more um, than what it was a couple of years ago. So. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that makes sense. It seems, you know, the, the elevated responsibilities kind of also force you to grow too. And it, it seems that like, you know, once you took that head coaching job, you know, for me, at least the best way is just kind of get thrown into the fire and, and figure things out there. So it seems like that's what, what you're doing. But um, so being the recruiting coordinator, what are you looking for in potential student athletes? Um, whatever. So <laughs> good question. Well, I mean, well, because I mean, Montclair is a, is a high level program. So are you so and obviously you guys are recruiting mostly in New Jersey, just being a state school, I would assume. Right. And, you know, you give a, you have a lot of state funding and you can give the money away for state for in-state players. But, you know, when you're going out of state and you're recruiting out of state, are you are you recruiting against Division One programs? Um, we're constantly recruiting against Division One programs. Um, that's kind of I mean, that's what makes New Jersey so unique is that there's so many colleges in the state of New Jersey. Um and that they all play at a really high level. So it's it's not always easy recruiting in New Jersey, as most people think it is. Um, and yes, we do get a lot of good New, uh, high-level New Jersey talent, uh, but it's not always easy. So times where we'll, we'll look at New York, we'll look at Connecticut, we'll look at some of the neighboring um, states around the state of New Jersey, uh, which we've never really done before. And over the past couple of years, we're starting to really reach out uh, you know, nationally. We're starting to talk to kids from California. We have a kid coming in. Uh, this year from Texas, we had a kid come in last year from North Carolina. We had two kids from Connecticut. Um, and so we're starting to expand, um, nationally now, uh, at Montclair state, which is good because, you know, we've always been recruit the best players in New Jersey, find the best players, uh, and get them in and try and make it work. So now that we have a little bit more, um, you know, of a, uh, of, of a draw, we can, you know, kind of tone in our, um, our recruiting aspect of things and try and find the players that we want and like unique abilities and not just pick the best players. So um, it's been, it's been good over the past couple of years uh, being able to, you know, reach out nationally and um, try and find some players that are, are super unique for, 
you know, the right fit at Montclair. But some of the things that we look at um, when it comes to recruiting um, is something that I preach to a lot of my match fit kids uh, is that try and be a complete player, like do everything possible that you can to play uh, at the next level. Cause there's going to be times where, you know, say you're a forward um, and you've been, you've been a forward your whole life and you're scoring goals left and right in high school and in club. Um, when you get to that next level, everything ramps up and everybody's the best player from their high school team. Everybody's the best player from their club team. Um, if you can be a unique, well-rounded player, say maybe you can play in the back. That's something that's really important to college coaches, being able to put players in different uh, positions and have them succeed in those positions. Um, so I try and get guys to be at the club level. I try and make sure I try and play them in different positions um, just so that they, Smart. they learn um, and they pick up on different attributes and stuff. Uh, because they never know where they're going to be in a couple of years and what program they're going to be playing for and what coach they're going to be playing for. And they might see something different in your game than I do. So um, I think it's really important to be a well-rounded player, um, to be coachable, um, you know, and obviously being a good student helps because that way we can get them at the school. We can get them the best available package, uh, right. make it easy for them. So um, those are some of the things that I look for. No, I, I like how you put guys in different positions. I mean, how many how many showcases do you go to and be like, oh, and every kid's like, yeah, I'm a center mid, I'm a center mid, I'm a center mid. You know, it's like, you know, I like I like the kids who have played different positions. I mean, like the way I see it is for a goalkeeper, it's like if I'm talking to a goalkeeper and he tells me, yeah, I played different, like I played basketball, I played whatever, whatever. I'm like, dude, come. Because, you know, from my perspective, being being a goalkeeper, you know, I want athletes, Um, you know, not somebody, you know, granted, there's always the great goalkeepers just played goalkeeper, but you know, if you're an athlete, if you've seen different things, I think you can just be more coachable. It, 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 like, you know what I mean? Like you get that, that feel for the game and just being a student of the game a little bit more, in my opinion. But 100%. I agree with you. Also. Yeah. I, think, I think that being a well-rounded athlete, I think is super important. Also, um, we've had some really, really, really good soccer players um, at Montclair State. And we've also had some pretty, pretty, pretty uh, bad soccer players, uh, but they've just been really good athletes and they've been able to, um, you know, maneuver through games and help us win games based on certain attributes that they have. Like we've recruited, right. it's a funny story actually. Um, and I don't mean to sidetrack you here, but, uh, no, please. coach Tumulty once recruited a kid, um, watching him play basketball. He didn't even watch him play soccer. And I thought he was so interesting. I was like, how are you going to recruit a kid if he's, if you haven't seen him kick a soccer ball yet? And he said, well, look, he, I mean, he can jump out the gym. He can dunk. He can run the floor like nobody else. Um, he's got good vision, good hand-eye coordination. So we recruited him to come play soccer at Montclair, um, and he turned out to be a pretty decent player. Um, granted, I was in the rec center with him all the time playing basketball. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was actually a teammate of mine, um, and he was excellent at basketball. He almost walked on on the uh, on the basketball team, but it was just a funny story that he recruited him um, – by watching him play a game of basketball. It was just, it was timing. It was like, it was, it was in the winter time. We couldn't watch him play. Uh, so he just decided just to go watch him play a high school basketball game. And then he ended up recruiting him. So uh, I think being a good athlete, Crazy. it can definitely help you get to the college level. That's for sure. So when you're, when you're recruiting these potential student athletes, what's your, what's your pitch against division one schools that, that you're recruiting against? Oh, this is like the bread and butter. I don't know if I should be, uh, Oh yeah, I'm, 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 it's the secret sauce. Uh, no, I'm just. Get, get, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, we recruit against um, a lot of Division One schools. It seems. To I mean, be, yeah, you have like Seton Hall, Rutgers, St. Peter's. Sometimes those are like higher level guys. Um, right. Times that we're recruiting against, uh, like you said, St. Peter's. We're recruiting against Iona, uh, Monmouth, uh, Fairfield, True. a little bit here and there. A, a lot of the Mac schools. Um, a lot yeah. of NC schools like FDU and Bryant mm-hmm. and uh, St. Joe's. St. Joe's, not St. Joe's. Is it Brooklyn? No, no I don't know. I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, so we recruit a lot of, uh, against the lower level, lower level Division One schools, but our pitch is just, you know, we, first of all, we're in a great spot. Um, we're so close to New York City. We're 15 miles away from New York City. Um, the, the university itself is really up and coming. It's com- If you ask people that went to school back like in uh, the early 90s or the late 90s, um, and you ask them about what Montclair State is and, um, you know, ha- ha- it, and they come back to campus now, they'll see a completely different university. So the program's all, the university is always up on the rise. We're always changing our facilities. We're always upgrading and, uh, making our academic buildings and housing. Uh, it, we're always revamping it. So, um, <clears throat> my, the pitch is that we're so close to New York City. Um, you know, you, so you can get a great education. Uh, our top majors are the business program, education, criminal justice, uh, communications. We have nursing now. Um, so we have a lot of unique, um, you know, programs that we have academically. It's also a state school, so it can be pretty affordable, um, for some of the student athletes that are in like a 30 mile radius and, and can commute. Right. So they'll get a great education. It'll be a cheap, uh, it'll be cheap cost, uh, for tuition if they decide to commute. Um, we also, we offer, uh, Pell and Tag grants through the state, um, so we can lower uh, housing as well um, in terms of cost. And also the best part about the whole experience is uh, the soccer program. I mean, it's it's been a top 25 program over the last 15 years, almost every year. Um, and, you know, you're going to come to Montclair. You're going to get a great education. You're going to have a great time on campus um, and you're going to win championships. I mean, it, it's it's what we do. And it's, it's not to sound uh, cocky or it's facts. If, if you look back, if you look back at the past 15 years since 2006, I mean, we've won nine out of the last 13 conference titles or sorry, eight out of the last 13 conference titles. And we've been in the final like 10 out of the last 13 years. So that's kind of the um, that's how we kind of spice it up to recruits is that you're going to win. You're going to get a lot of playing time at a high level division three university. Um you're going to win championships. You're going to have memories that you share with your teammates for a lifetime. Uh, and you're going to get a great education and it's going to be affordable. And you're so close to New York City. So um, why go to a Division One university and not to pick on some of those low-level Division One universities? But how many times do you see those guys uh, competing for a national championship? How many times do you right, see those right. guys make an NCAA tournament every year? You know, it's nothing against those guys, because uh, those programs, because it's not easy to win at, the, at that level. It's not easy to win at you know, some of the NEC schools and the MAC schools and try and get to a national championship because you're competing against North Carolina and Duke and Georgetown and St. John's and all right. these, you know, big time programs. So if you come to a high level division three university, you know, we're not guaranteeing you that you're going to win a national title, but you're going to win 20 plus games a year. It's just, it's facts. It's what we've done over the last 15 years. So, and not, not to mention you're playing on a professional facility too. Yeah, and that helps too. Having the New York Rebels, um, the New York Rebels built us. Uh, I think I forgot what it was. A one point two million dollars stadium with 
and, and they just put in some locker rooms and stuff. So yeah, I mean, playing on that field, you know, 40 games out of your career is also something that's really intriguing. Um, but it's just, it's, it's funny because we argue a lot as coaches at the, at the D3 level, like why would a kid want to go to, right. uh, like I said, it's not, it's not, I'm not trying to negatively recruit against these, these schools, but why would a kid want to go to an NEC program or a Mac program? Um, you know, I get it. It's division one. I get it. It's probably a good degree. I get it. It could set you up for, for life in certain areas and they might have your degree and we might not have that, uh, you know, that major or, or something along those lines, but why would you want to go there and win like eight games a year? You know, it just, it, right. It's interesting to me why a kid would want to choose. It. I'm not saying it's the wrong choice. I'm, I, every kid has a different pathway and a different mindset to certain things, which I completely understand. It's just, it's funny that we always talk about as coaches, why a kid would want to choose, you know, to win eight games a year when he can come to, you know, Montclair and really compete for a national title. It's, 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 it's something that we just, we have a hard time trying to relay that message to recruits sometimes. So it's now I hear, yeah, you, you just kind of hope they're a little bit self-aware and understanding like what's, you know, I don't want to say what's better for them, but it's more just like if they're, if they're concerned about playing time, you know, why, you know, just, you know, I think for them, they, they need to figure out their priorities. And I think a lot of times when they choose those, you know, quote, bigger programs, over a smaller program, they don't really have their priorities set. And then you, you end up seeing them, you know, riding the bench for two, three years and, you know, maybe getting some playing time in their junior and senior year, whatever it may be. Right. And look, there's nothing wrong with that either. Like, I I think it's great. Like if, if for me, I was coming out of high school, I was getting recruited uh, by Monmouth and a couple other schools and stuff like that. And um, granted, I don't think, I don't think I could have gotten into Monmouth. I I wasn't a particularly good student uh, in high school, Um, (laughs) but if I did go to Monmouth, I probably wouldn't have played until my junior, senior year. I probably wouldn't have played at right. all. I, I don't know. But I go to Montclair. I, st- I I play 80 games over the course of four years, and I have an unbelievable experience both academically and athletically. And I'm still in the same spot right now as probably some of those guys that went to Monmouth. They're all probably teachers or uh, policemen, or they have a job in, in, in the business field, or they're coaches. I mean, how many of those guys actually played professional soccer? You know, so right. it all depends on what the kid wants. And it, there's nothing wrong with whatever a kid chooses because he's got his own reasons for why he does things and his family has reasons for why they do things. I just think it's unique sometimes, like why a kid would choose some of these programs over us, um, you know, if he wants to if he wants to win something. I think that's kind of the biggest thing. So it's just interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm with you 100 percent. So uh, last question, what I like to ask all my guests is. When you leave Montclair and go to a new head coaching spot, what do you want the your kids that you coach at Montclair to say about you to the you know whatever the incoming class or what would you just want them to say about you? Just that they had a fun a fun upbeat coach and that they've shared a lot of connections and memories and relationships with. I'm not looking for anything in particular. You know, it's it's not about me. It's not about uh, it's not even about like any of the coaches at Montclair. It's about the program itself. It's it's having a good time um, and choosing the right school and choosing the right program that can set you up for life. Uh, but what I want them to say about me is, yeah, I mean, I, I I hope they say nothing but good things about me. You know, I I wouldn't want anybody to say bad things about me. Um, but I hope they just remember a guy that you know always respected the program, always would do whatever he whatever he could to help the program. Uh, you know, and keep good relationships with guys. I, I still talk to kids 
Um, you know, I, I, t- I talk to a lot of kids every day, whether it's match fit or it's guys at Montclair. Um, and I just hope they always remember a, a guy that enjoyed, um, enjoyed his time at Montclair, um, you know, share the memories, um, that we shared and, you know, always reach out if they ever need anything. Cause I'll always be there no matter what, even if I'm at another school or if I'm still at Montclair, uh, 30 years from now, you know, it's, um, I just always hope that they think of me as someone that they can rely on and, um, they, they can come to if they're ever, uh, ever need some advice. So I'm with you. Absolutely. Well, Max, I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Hope you're staying safe and healthy and best of luck in the fall. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Jesse, thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, hopefully I see you sooner uh, than yeah, the fall yeah, time. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, All right, all right man. Jesse, thank you.